Wake up with me every morning starting at 6 a.m. But please do me a favor. Keep your pajamas on. Woo! Welcome back. 1370 WSPD. Kevin Mullen sitting in for Fred Lefebvre. All right, so I just got an email. It says, hey, Kevin, it's Columbus Day. When you research the origins and importance of the day, it might help you to understand why it existed before the Marxists had a say. Steve, thank you for the email. You know, no, I, I agree with him, actually. When you look at the origin of Columbus Day, it was actually to honor Italian-Americans. But I think the problem is that when you put a single person's name on it, when you put up a statue of a single person, things can go wrong. We can learn more about them and realize that, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have built a statue to that person. Maybe that legendary head football coach for all those years. Let's just put up a statue while he's coaching. What could go wrong? The answer is everything. So I think if if today was Italian-American Heritage Day, we're still celebrating that. But when you attach a name to it, and you've got such a controversial history, as Christopher Columbus undoubtedly did, this is what's going to happen. I don't know how I feel that Columbus Day has now become Indigenous People's Day. I do like that the indigenous people took it back from Columbus. That feels that feels like karma. I like that. But but I kind of wish that they would have just that we would have given them their own day, right? And it wouldn't be cuz not everybody's off today. It's a federal holiday, but some people went from getting Columbus Day off to now they work on Indigenous Peoples Day, and I don't get that. I don't get that. All right, we're going to talk about that and more. My good friend Christina Casper is in studio. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. All right, so you maybe have have had, have currently, one of the coolest jobs in our area is that you have worked on not just the largest art project in our area, but the largest mural in the country. By 100,000 square feet. But who's counting, right? <laughs> right? Who's counting? All right, so Glass City River Wall, it is almost finished from your lips to god's ears <laughs> <laughs> all right tell me what's what's left to do so it's the last monday of the project i'm knocking on wood when i say it um we are just putting the final touches on the portraits so a vast majority of the mural itself is done but um we're just tweaking some of the flowers on the portraits the portrait the portraits themselves are done we're just putting the final touches on when, when you started this project, did you know it was going to be this much, this big? Blissfully naive. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't think anybody did. No one's ever done it. You know, no one's ever done a mural this big uh, in the country. And, and again, um, not even close to this big. So, yeah, we had, we had no earthly idea. Um, I'm so happy to be walking across the finish line and delivering this to Toledo. It's, it almost feels like a, like a small miracle. How, how long from start to finish? When did the idea uh, first pop up? When did you first sort of publicly announce this was going to be a thing? And how long have you been working on this behind the scenes? 
Gosh. Um, so we started painting June 2nd of uh, 2020, but there was probably a year and some of logistics behind that. So um, Nicole Boudier and Brandy Wimberly were on the river, I'm going to say August of 2019. And then they called me shortly, shortly thereafter. And, you know, I mean, it was there was this universal deadline of the Solheim Cup. Uh, in in the city, so we initially went to the arts commission. I, I was like, you know, we gotta we gotta talk to the people who know what they're doing. Not that we didn't know what we were doing, um, but <laughs> but they're but, the experts in yeah, our region. Yeah, absolutely, and they were great. But they were like, you know, we have about a thousand projects that we need to get done before the Solheim Cup. So um, they were great at guiding us, and and they were super helpful. Nathan Matamo from Art in Public Places is on our steering committee, and and has been you know invaluable. Um, Mark Folk's been great as well. Um, but we were like, oh, well, that's cool. We'll just, we'll do it ourselves. No worries. We got this. We got it. We no problem. It. <laughs> I, yeah, but I think like confidence, they say, uh, what, possession in nine, is nine tenths of the law. Yeah. I think confidence is nine tenths of success. If okay. you just move forward, like, like I can do this. Or fake it till you make it. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, so so you start this project. You decide you're going to paint all of these silos. You rally the troops around it, and you are going to have it all done by the Solheim Cup. But w- t- talk to me about kind of what came up. That obviously we've we've since missed that target a couple of times. But this this has <laughs> been without its obstacles. Yeah. So I think the original timeline might have been a little ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I think there was a lot of things that, that um, you know, our original couple first timelines were, were based on, you know, no fires, um, which was, again, blissfully naive. But um, there were some things that were really interesting along the way, like try doing it during a, a pandemic when there is an international supply chain issue. So, I mean, I think everybody's heard that, you know, there was a, an international shortage of resin, which is one of the... Um, primary components of, of some of the paint. And, and so we worked with a company called Tanemic. They're, they're remarkable too, like fun fact, like cement spelled backwards. Um, but they, uh, they did everything in their power uh, to get our paint to us. They've been remarkable partners, but we had to shut down production for two and a half weeks. I mean, and, and when you talk about budgetary constraints, you know, we've got lifts, several of them, all that stuff, and the wind, I mean, the wind was such a factor for us that we just didn't factor in. I mean, we, we padded a little bit for it, but we were more concerned about rain and snow and all that stuff. The wind, wow, Mother Nature, man, she talks about the wind. <laughs> and you were telling me uh, the higher you go on yeah. a lift, the stronger yeah. that wind. Like, So what we feel on the ground yeah. is nothing like what you guys are feeling 135 feet in the air. And don't say you guys, because it was not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the artists were, they they were incredible. Like every one of them, most of them local and, and, you know, but, but I mean, and there's, you know, I mean, there's regulations. OSHA's like, you can't go up there if it's over, I don't know, I think it's 23 miles an hour. Um, So, you know, you can only stay at certain heights. There's just like this whole radio gig is a little more complicated sitting in the studio than it looks. Getting up there and painting a little more complicated than it looks. If you can paint on a canvas, it does not mean that you can paint on the side of some grain silos along right. a river, 135 feet in the air. On a conical surface. In Toledo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not talking about uh, climate that is, I mean, it's 
going to be beautiful this week. Yeah. But but you got rain coming uh, late Wednesday. I, I I don't make the weather. I and just you know what, it changes it. on a dime. So well, I don't listen. True. I look at weather reports. I don't listen. Well, then why do I do it every 15 minutes if you're not going to Because somebody asks listen? you to do it. Be okay. clear. I mean, right. it's the only way. I'm not saying anything about meteorologists. All right. So let's try and do this. Uh, I, we're going to have a conversation about the actual art itself when okay. we come, back, uh, come up after the break. But give me up, like, by the numbers. Right? So how much paint? Uh, how many, uh, you know, man-woman hours uh, oh, went into making this happen? Is it just inordinate? I mean, can it even be measured? Um. You know, we should have measured man hours. That would have been interesting, but we did not do that. So 15 sunflowers over uh, three portraits over 170,000 square feet. Uh, I want to say like 2,864 gallons of paint at this oh. point. Um, 82,365 cars pass that spot a day. That's 30 million views a year. Um, what other things do I have for you? Nine educational... Um, collaborations, seven grants, 777, I think at this point, donors. Um, what else can I give you? I love it. Yeah. I love it. A A lot lot of involvement, a lot of impact, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Christina Casper with us from the Glass City River Wall. Um, cruising in on on the finish line. Uh, this week, the project is slated to be finished. Yep. But I want to talk about the design. Mm. How did you guys come up with the idea of sunflowers and the grandmother, mother, daughter? Well, we didn't. Um, to be honest, we sent out an international RFQ. This was still at the time that we didn't even know if this was going to be a viable project. It was kind of during uh, COVID and and we were like, let's just send it out into the ether and see what happens. Uh, we got a tremendous response. I was shocked. Like artists from Spain, like all over the country, all over the world. Um, but one of them was Gabe Galt, who uh, came to us from Los Angeles. Um, and um, he, he, he knocked it out of the park. So this project has always kind of spoken to us. We, we didn't kind of create the project. I think the project was waiting for someone. And that was like one of the first moments that we realized that there was a historic marker on the site. We put that in the RFQ. Um, and he came back and said, I want to tell this story of Toledo, your past, present, and future. And part of that had to include, you know, the original farmers of the region, which were Native Americans. And he incorporated that into his design. The sunflowers are the flower of hope. They follow the sun throughout the day. Um, Gabe incorporates that into a lot of his work. And we fell in love with it immediately. What has the local response been to that design? Um. I mean, it was the whole project has been so warmly received. Toledo itself is is this remarkable city. I say it all the time. There's like some pixie dust in in Toledo, but um, people love it. I mean, people absolutely love it. The originally when when we rolled it out, there was some concern. You know, if you're going to roll something out, just as you talked about with Columbus, um, and uh, I mean separately but together. Um, if you're going to tell a story, you get one shot and it's not your story. Um, and so we were pretty quick. We got some really great advice very early on in the project. And, and again, the project spoke to us. Um, but um, Don Reddick actually came to us. He was really great. Uh, he came to the Arts Commission and said, you better get this right. 
Um, and so he called me, uh, and we had a, a long conversation, and he's a pointed, amazing, wise man. And, uh, you know, I just asked him point blank, can you connect us? And that was the beginning of an unbelievable relationship with the Native American community on a lot of different levels. How much have you learned from them? I mean, did you grow up here in Toledo? I've been here for 20 some odd years. Okay. I'm kind of a mutt. I grew up all over the world, quite frankly. So you moved here when you were eight? No. That's what I'm gathering. <laughs> That's what I'm gathering. <laughs> That's well said. Yeah. Say it again. So, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me kind of what you've kind of heard from them about, I guess, their reaction to being put on the largest canvas in the country. So the whole project has been about relationships and um, whose stories told and why. Um, we knew that um, we we had to give people the opportunity to tell their story and, and the power of that. Um, there was some consternation, I think, out of the gate. Um, Daryl Baldwin and Kara Strauss from the um, Miami Center at Miami University have just been instrumental. Um, we could not have done this project without them. And then from there, it grew exponentially. But the one of the first things that Daryl said to us was, you see us as a people of the past, and we live amongst you. We are your past, your present, and your future. And so all three of those portraits are living people with intention. All three of them are wearing contemporary clothing with intention because that is as we see them today. Um, as a reminder that they are not a people of the past, and, and Daryl said it pretty succinctly, the first phone call that we had, you know, he said, you see us as a people on, on a battlefield with feathers in our hair. And that is not who we are. That is a portion of who we were at some point. But we, we contribute daily. And we forget that. It's on Miami Street. <laughs> I mean, we don't talk about why it's on Miami Street um, and, and so many other things in, in Toledo. I mean, we are rooted in this history, and we just don't talk about it. As a proud graduate of Miami University... Myself. Me too. Oh, love, love and honor. And honor. Love did, and honor. Did I know that? I don't know. Did we talk about that? I don't know. We should. Oh my goodness. We must have just missed each other. Right? So I I love this story. I think it's so easy for us to overlook that word Miami, right? Mm -hmm. And to think that, you know, we instantly go to uh, Florida and think of it as a city. But right. I, I love the t-shirt that Miami was a university before Florida was a state. Nice. So let's understand the history here. Yeah. Um, and I think that history is an important piece for us to tell. I appreciate the role that you and your team are playing uh, in not only telling that history, but also sort of pointing the compass in the right direction for our community. As you said, it's that past, the present, and the future. So yeah. thank you. No, my pleasure. Really, it's, it's the pleasure of many, I hope.